Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. This is Victor Morrison. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. I want to share with you today from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. There's a Greek storyteller named Aesop, who in the late 500s BC wrote a fable called The Tortoise and the Hare. Now, the rabbit should have won the race because of his speed, but he lost because he acted pridefully, hastily, and carelessly. He was just so impatient. The turtle, on the other hand, kept his head down, and although moving much more slowly, won the race because he was steady. His perseverance proved greater than the hare's performance. Have you ever known anybody like that? They had a lot of ability. I mean, in terms of performance, they could just win it all. But in terms of perseverance, they seem to just hop from one experience to the other. Well, I want us to look and learn about patience. I want to call this podcast, What Are You Waiting For? What are you waiting for? Sometimes I think we get confused in life and we're waiting on the wrong things. And that's why we always seem to be just a little bit discontent. The grass always appears greener on the other side. Before we get started, I want you to listen closely for two different words. One word is the word patient or patience that would be mentioned in this uh, text. But the other word is the word steadfast. And I think you'll see that these two words actually are very different from one another. Uh, one thing is the word uh, macrothumio is whenever we are patient toward other people. That's macrothumio. That's the Greek word that's used in the verses that I'm about to read. But the other Greek word is the word that I mentioned secondly, steadfastness. And that is not macrothumio, that is hupomeno. And hupomeno is whenever circumstances, not people, but circumstances are really hard. And so we have to hang in there and we have to endure. We have to persevere. And so you're going to hear both of those words and we're going to talk about those things and much more as we go through this podcast on what are you waiting for? Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also, be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is 
is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let me give you five observations in this passage that I had whenever I was reading it over and over again. These five things came to my mind. The first one is this, the exhortation to patience. Do you know that this is God's will? This is something God wants in me, in you, in every Christian. He says simply, be patient, therefore, brothers. And he mentions it several different times. But one thing he definitely is clear on is he's talking to those of us who are already followers of Christ. He expects us to be developing in this whole area of patience, of being willing to wait, being willing to be steadfast, even when circumstances are not as we would wish. You know, uh, he says, be patient, therefore, brothers. You know, he mentions brothers in these verses three times in verse 7, verse 9, and verse 10. And so definitely the address of this exhortation, this admonition toward patience, well, it's toward us, toward all of us who know the Lord. But, you know, as an addendum to this exhortation, I just want to point out that he does say the word, therefore. Be patient, therefore, brothers. Why is he using therefore? Well, it refers back to what he had just said in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And in those verses, the whole context was that he was describing it was whenever someone is in authority and they're evil. Someone is over you, let's say, at work, and they're not a good boss. And so you've got someone that is above you, and in their case, the case in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, there were these uh, landlords who had hired people to harvest the fields. And so they did. These guys harvest the fields. But then after they harvested the fields, then they said, I'm sorry, we don't have the money to pay you. And so they were thinking, why is that? And so James doesn't leave it to the imagination. He says what they did was they lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. Oh my goodness. So instead of doing the right thing, they were doing the wrong thing. That's really a time when we need to be patient, when we need to be steadfast and we need to say, okay, I'm going to heed this exhortation to patience. But we're also going to need something else. We're going to need to have an expectation. If I'm going to wait for something, then I need to wait knowing something better is coming. And that's where verses 7 and 8 come in so beautifully here. He says next, until you're going to be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. 
So you see, as believers, we may be in situations in this life, on this earth, where, I mean, let's face it, it's hard. And let's say there's evil all around, but we are waiting in hope. That's what he said. We're waiting in hope. But what is the hope? Well, the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord, it's, a, it's an expression of time. Whenever he says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until there's the time indicator, the coming of the Lord. You see, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to right all the wrongs. He's going to balance the scales. But in the meantime, it's possible for you to work somewhere. It's possible for you to be in some kind of circumstances where those who are in authority over you, well, they're just simply not doing the right thing. And so he's trying to encourage the Christians back then, but because God's word is living and active, he's actually encouraging us as well, saying, hey, wait, remember, we're waiting in hope for the coming of the Lord, for the coming of the Lord. And it also, we're not only waiting in hope, but we're also waiting for, could we say a harvest? I know he says that the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting on the early rains, which would have been in October, to soften the soil, and the late rains, which would have been in April, to sort of expedite a a very bountiful harvest. But we're waiting for a harvest. It's just a metaphor, right? But in some ways, you know, God places his Holy Spirit in us, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit can definitely be harvested by those around us when they're watching how we are responding in the midst of our difficult circumstances. Do you know that the book of James is very practical in how to live the Christian life? But I think it's interesting how James must have been something of an outdoorsman because 30 times, maybe it's actually over 30, over 30 times he uses metaphors from nature. He knew animals. He knew the environment out there. He knew all about the woods and and farming and all these different things. And so I would just say, yeah, we're waiting in hope for the coming of the Lord, but we're also waiting for a harvest because at any moment, Someone around me may see the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22, would include the fruit, get this, of patience. Yeah, that's where it comes. So God is not, not depending on your circumstances to when he can produce some kind of fruit in your life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those kind of things. No, he's not dependent on exterior things. No, he wants to work on the inside. That's why he says, establish your hearts. So I'm also waiting. I'm waiting knowing that while I'm waiting on the coming of the Lord, while I'm waiting on the harvest, you know what God is doing? Man, he's working in my heart. So it's not wasted time whenever God's at work, when he places you in the waiting room, when you're like the farmer and you're saying, all I'm doing is sowing and I'm sowing and I'm sowing and I don't see any fruit. Well, wait a minute. 
God is working inside of you so that when that fruit comes, your heart is going to be right on the money. Yeah, you know what? That's the problem with the hare, the hare and the tortoise. Remember, the rabbit was so arrogant. The rabbit was mocking and making fun. His heart wasn't right. The turtle, on the other hand, he just kept his head down. He just took one step after the other, and he just kept going. He didn't stop. As a matter of fact, the rabbit thought he was out there so far ahead of the turtle. He said, you know what I can do? I can just lay down and take a nap under this tree. And so he did. But while he was sleeping, the steady turtle just kept going. God is working in your heart, even if you are sitting in one of his waiting rooms. So let him establish your heart. But also just know that our waiting is for someone who is already at hand. You know, it says the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's what it says right here in the whole context of patience and steadfastness and waiting. You know, I think there's two things that will really develop patience and more than anything else in our lives, make us more like Christ. You know what those two things are? I think intimacy with Christ, when we spend time with the Lord each day, He just rubs off on us. We begin to develop His character. But the other thing I, I would say, not just intimacy with the Lord, but the imminency, the imminency of the return of Christ also has a purifying effect on every follower of Christ, knowing someday, someday he's coming. And it might just be today. So, hey, let's say we've got that as the expectation of why we're going to wait with patience and trust God on obeying this whole idea that he says, he says, I'm commanding you, I want you to be patient. I want you to grow in patience. But let's be, let's be honest about it, right? There's so many roads that lead off of that expressway of patience. And you know what I'd call it? I'd call it an exit. You know, uh, when we were recently home in Tennessee for Thanksgiving, when we came back through Texarkana, I don't know what went wrong with our navigation system, but somehow Siri was telling me that the hotel I'd stayed out on the way to Tennessee was on the wrong side of the interstate. And I was like, we're getting off on the wrong side. And Jody said, she's telling us this is the way to the hotel. And I said, yeah, but I know the hotel's on that side. But it didn't matter because the navigation was saying, you need to be on this side. Well, guess what happens? She was wrong. And so here's what I think happens whenever we get our eyes off of the Lord we get our eyes off of what he told us to do. We start listening to other voices. Verse nine tells us what will happen. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So what, what happens when we get off track? I believe that we begin to blame other people. And when we start blaming other people and thinking it's all their fault, you know what we do next? We start complaining about it. And then we start grumbling and criticizing them for it. And all along, it's like God is saying, 
Do not grumble against one another. It's an exit ramp off of the highway toward patience. And God says, don't do it. Don't take it. You see, he wants us to remember that in addition to a prohibition against grumbling at other Christians, we should remember the admonition to leave judging to Christ. Hey, he says, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You know, it's almost like, can you get the picture there? It's almost like he's saying Christ isn't getting up to come to the door during the generation in which James was writing. During that generation, he was saying, even then, it's like he's already at the door. All he's got to do is just turn the doorknob, turn the handle, and swing wide that door. He's already standing at the door. You see the imminency? You see how close it is? That's why don't take all of these exits off of the highway to patience, the highway to Christ-likeness. Stay on the road. Keep growing in Christ. Don't let patience and don't let people pull you off of that road. Well, let's go to something else that I think will be extremely helpful to us in our pursuit of patience. You know what it is? Examples. The examples. He goes on to say, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained, past tense, steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. Let's just stop right there. Well, right there we have two examples. One's a group, one's an individual that's found in Scripture. He says that the prophets were an example, and he uses the word patience, right? But when he says Job was also an example, he doesn't use the word patience. I know we always talk about the patience of Job, right? But the word used here is the steadfastness of Job. You see, Job was dealing with circumstances. Those prophets, most of the time, they were dealing with people. They were dealing with kings. They were dealing with, you know, uh, nations or kingdoms of people that didn't want to do what God wanted them to do. And so the prophets were an example of how to be patient with other people. Think about Jeremiah. I mean, he's telling them that judgment is coming. Well, they're just laughing at him. And finally, they stop laughing and they get angry. And they say, you know what? We don't want to hear you say that ever again. But Jeremiah just stays steadfast. He stays in his lane. He's got his head down. He's like, I'm going to do exactly what God tells me to do. And you know what happened? Those people persecuted him by putting him in stocks, it says in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 2. And then after that, he's thrown in a cistern in a big well where it's muddy down in there in chapter 28, verse 6. And so God has to uh, inspire this Ethiopian guy to go to the king and ask for permission to pull him up out of the well or he was going to die down in there. And then he's placed in prison later in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 2. So you see, these prophets, these Old Testament prophets, they were dealing with people who were so stubborn, people who were so evil, 
People were so angry and mean and upset and so forth. So if ever we have someone in our lives, we need an example. Who else has gone through this? Nobody. That's how we can feel. But that's not true. The Old Testament prophets, I, I would think almost all of them, they all faced opposition and all of these terrible things from people. So learn patience from biblical characters that are found in the Old Testament who exemplified patience. But then let's talk about Job. You know, Job was an example of steadfastness. I've always wondered what it means in Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 14 and 20, when God is saying during the days of Ezekiel, once again, through the prophet Ezekiel, he's saying judgment is coming and the people don't want to listen and the people think, no, nah, that's not going to happen. But, but you know what God told Ezekiel? He said, Ezekiel, I'm not going to change my mind about this. He said, even if, and he lists three men from the Old Testament who had lived before Ezekiel. He says, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job, even if those three power hitters stepped up there and said, let me pray. Let me pray that God will change his mind. Let me pray that God will not send judgment. What the Lord says is, even if those three guys pray, I'm not going to listen. Wow. You know what I think that means? I think that that means God was watching Job and God saw how steadfast Job was, even though all these terrible things had happened to him. As a matter of fact, I wonder if he heard what Job said in Job 13, 15, when Job says to his friends, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 15, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Hey, I've talked to people in my lifetime who've turned against God, turned away from God because something terrible happens. You know, Job lost his children. Job lost his health. Job lost his assets. He lost his farm. He lost his livestock. There's so many things that it's just like one loss after another. Why? Did he deserve it? No, actually, if you read Job chapter 1, you know what you'll discover? God was really impressed. God was so excited that Job lived for him. And so Satan says, yeah, but you know what? Job only serves you for the goodies. You take away that fence you placed around Job's life and let me take away those goodies. And your man, Job, he's going to curse you to your face. But you know what? God said, all right, let's see. And you know what? Even though Job didn't understand, he didn't understand what was happening in his life, still he remained steadfast. What an example we have of hupomene, someone who endured, persevered. The word hupomene means to remain under. He's like, I'm not going to resist this. God has allowed this in my life. I'm going to stay underneath it and see what God will do. Well, let me give you one last word from verse 11. You know, sometimes trying to be patient can be really heavy. And so we need something that will ease 
the heaviness and the burden of patience. Here's what I think will do it. He says in closing out this passage, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. What will ease this whole struggle that we have with patience? Here's one thing, to remember that the Lord is in control, that the Lord has a purpose, the Lord has a plan. If we can just get that down in our, in our spiritual DNA, where it's our default setting, that no matter what's going on in our life, we're saying, God, I know that you control all things. All things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. But I believe also this verse introduces us to God's character. See, the Lord's caring. That's why he says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Do you know that God loves you today? You know, God is compassionate. Don't let circumstances fill in the blanks on God's character. When the revelation of Scripture is quite clear, our God is a loving, compassionate, gracious, merciful God. Yes, He is just. Yes, He is holy. Yes, He sometimes will judge, but make no mistake. He's made a way for us to enter into His family and to be with Him in heaven for eternity through the shed blood of His own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, friend, God cares. He loves you. But also, because of that, the Lord is uh, clement. You know, the Lord is merciful. It, he will forgive us. Sometimes that's why, you know, we lose our patience and we become impatient and we'll do things that are out of God's will. But you know what we need to remember? If I will simply go to God, He can forgive me. Maybe you'd say, what if I deserve punishment? Hey, we already deserve condemnation. We already deserve punishment. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that instead of God's punishment falling on you, his son stepped up there and his son said, I'll take the punishment, the judgment. I'll take all that their, the penalty that their sins deserve. I'll take it. Man, that will ease patience. Let me tell you, this passage, if you were to think about it and reflect on it, it tells us that we can be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. That's like the farmer, right? Remember at the beginning when it says the farmer's got to wait for the rain? He can't make it rain, so he just has to wait. He has to be patient. This passage not only tells us to be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable, but be patient when people are unchangeable. Those prophets were talking to kings and different people, you know, either in the southern kingdom or the northern kingdom who didn't want to listen. And so they were unchangeable. Maybe people in your life are unchangeable. God can give you patience for that. But also we can be patient like Job when problems are unexplainable. When problems are so unexplainable. Listen, maybe you're dealing with one of those. Let me close our time together by leading us in a prayer. Oh, Father, thank you so much that you love us with a great love. Sometimes we get impatient toward you and we become depressed and discouraged. Maybe we become angry. Maybe we're ready to walk away from you. Help us to remember what this passage is trying to tell us, 
that even when problems are unexplainable and people are unchangeable, circumstances are uncontrollable, that you're steady and you love us and you're going to work all things together for good. So help us to be patient and to trust you. Thank you so much that we can turn to you no matter what we face in life because you're there, you're watching. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, friend, for being with us today. I pray that God has blessed you. Pray that you'll consider passing this on to someone else. Let them know what you learned today from God's Word. God bless. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.